I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome along to the Rugby Pass podcast for another week. A very special Rugby Pass podcast today, joined by Michael Corcoran out of Ireland. And here we are in Chicago, Corky. And uh, what an exciting couple of weeks ahead for Irish rugby in particular, especially here. Groundbreaking move from the Irish side to come to Chicago. Yeah, Scotty, uh, thanks for having me. It really is. Um, it's kind of bizarre that we've both countries, I guess, have travelled so far for a home game each, if you understand what I mean. Uh, although I... I, I I know from talking to people involved in selling tickets for this event, 61,500, about 50,000 of the t- tickets have been snapped up by Irish people, not necessarily travelling from Ireland, although it's impossible to get a flight from Ireland to Chicago any, at any stage during the course of this week. Uh, there's a huge Irish uh, connection with the United States, and people are coming from all over the place, from the East Coast, the West Coast, from Florida, places like that, to come to Chicago to see a game in an iconic uh, venue but yeah I mean it's a it's this is obviously leg one of a what is a massive uh, four weeks ahead well let's talk about Irish rugby in general because uh, as I said a big couple of weeks not only this game in Chicago but then a return fixture in Dublin against the All Blacks Joe Schmidt first of all who's announced that he will stick with this team and carry on through uh, that move in particular from an Irish point of view is that the best move for Irish rugby right now absolutely because you know I mean Irish rugby has gone on to the next stage or moved up another stage, another notch since he has uh, taken over. Um, the fact that he's hanging around for another two years is a, is a really good move from an Irish point of view. Certainly from his point of view, I know he's quite keen to, to stay involved. Um, his domestic circ- circumstance, he's a, he's a kid who's ill and you know he just needed to get everything squared away in terms of treatment, which, which has been done thankfully. And, and I mean, first and foremost, that's the most important thing. You know, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, young men and women have died all over the world, um, and, and health is better than anything else, to be fair about it. But, you know, the fact that Joe's knocking around for another two seasons to take um, or end up to Rugby World Cup in, uh, in Japan is absolutely a hugely positive thing. Let's spread the net a little bit wider and talk about the importance of this November series for all of the European teams, all of the Northern Hemisphere teams. We've seen what the All Blacks have done in the South, and it was certainly Eddie Jones has been leading the charge from an England point of view. You've got a Lions tour coming up. So how important do these internationals sit for the Northern Hemisphere game, and what points need to be proved over this November series? 
Well, it's a huge opportunity, as you say, for the Northern Hemisphere teams, but specifically wearing an Irish hat from an Irish point of view, because Ireland are the only team from the Northern Hemisphere who play New Zealand uh, on, on this on this mm. November series mm. ahead of a British and Irish Lions tour next year. So, like the Welsh players don't have a, a chance to have a crack off New Zealand. Neither do the all-conquering swashbuckling English. Neither do the Scots. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, I know that Warren Gatlin is in town this weekend to run the the eye over the Maori in, in the game against um, the USA, and obviously. Uh, you know the the the, uh, the the bigger one, if I can call it that, on Saturday afternoon. So it's a it's a massive, massive opportunity for you know some of the established Irish players and some of the younger kids who are getting a chance because the people are, are just uh, not fit and, and not fit enough to to, to take on uh, New Zealand. With Michael Corcoran on the Rugby Pass podcast, renowned Irish rugby commentator and journalist, and we're talking about Northern Hemisphere rugby with a little lean towards the Irish, given this weekend they play the All Blacks and, of course, the return fixture in a couple of weeks in Dublin. But we also want to chat about that Lions series coming up. From an Irish point of view, Mick, how many of these players do you think stand a chance of making that team, given uh, Gatlin's decision in the last series against Australia to maybe put a few guys on ice who Irish fans in particular would have like to have seen playing? Yeah, well, I, I guess I suppose the one thing I would say about Warren is he's never been afraid to make a, a hard decision or a big decision. It was a big decision to leave Brian O'Driscoll out, albeit the correct one, mm. last time round. Um, so he's in a situation now, obviously, with the, um, with the schedule that's been agreed for that Lions Tour next year. It's kind of ironic, really, that people are looking at the schedule thinking, you know, if I was the British and Irish Lions coach, I wouldn't have agreed to all of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of funny that six months ago, Warren Gatlin actually said the very same thing himself. And he now has got a, he's got a, he's got a sort of plan for that. So I think his planning might change and his thinking may change in terms of, you know, the fact that it's going to go Saturday, travel Sunday, play a game Tuesday, travel Wednesday play a game Saturday and you know yourself I mean you're, you live in the country I've been there often enough myself to know there's a hell of a lot of travel involved in uh, living in, in that fantastic country New Zealand um, and the challenge is everybody wants to knock over the British and Irish Lions whoever came up with the marketing slogan calling the the untouchable jersey I just laughed when I saw that and I thought listen what the hell man in fairness you know <laughs> The All Blacks uh, have had an immense season. They really have. They've been very good all year. Eddie Jones, again, I bring his name up because he's been the most vocal of the Northern mm. coaches through all of this. He has said, well, I don't know why teams want to copy New Zealand. I don't know why you would try to play like New Zealand when uh, Northern Hemisphere teams have a style of their own. And if we coach it well, then that style can defeat what the All Blacks are putting out there on the park. Do you subscribe to that point of view or do you think that teams are looking to play in, a, in the same fashion as the All Blacks because that's proved to be winning try-scoring rugby? I think that teams are trying to learn from them but trying to adapt to their own strengths, if you understand. Um, there's no point in everybody trying to clone you know what, what New Zealand have done and done so successfully. Uh, there's no point. I mean, there are, there are few enough countries play at the top level, play rugby at the top level without having 10 of them all playing the same way. Mm. You know, so, I mean, there are things that, that can be taken from what New Zealand do. And I mean, that's the exciting thing that I always look forward to the start of Super Rugby every year to see what's going to be different or, you know, the body shape of the players has changed or, you know, I kind of look at sort of in Dan Carter's last year, I looked at them and I thought, gosh, this fellow's actually lost weight. You know, I mean, he's not as big as he used to be, still as a big man. And, and, and it was the same. And I mean, that was that was brought through quite clearly when New Zealand won the World Cup in, uh, in 2015. You know, so there is a bit of learning 
but there's also a bit of adaptability. But you've got to play to your own strengths as well. That's the reality. You brought up Super Rugby and the teams have just been announced for next year, but that's still months away. Currently, all of the European club competitions are in full swing, including the European Cup. Uh, and we've already seen some wonderful rugby. Is the European Cup for you still the number one tournament in European rugby? Or do you think that the Pro 12 and the Aviva Premiership and the French Top 14 would rather claim that title for themselves? They probably would. Themselves they would. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I would think that they're the, the base layer, if you understand. Um, I think that European, the European Cup or the European Rugby Champions Cup, as it's called, is the next level up and that's akin to playing at international standard simply because of the fact that if you look at the big budgets of the English clubs and primarily the clubs who play in France yeah. they're chock-a-block with you know ex-Wallabies or ex-New Kiwis or next any other country I mean you call it it's it's like the, every club in France now has been described as the Real Madrid of yeah. of rugby but that could be any club whether it's Toulon, Toulouse, Montpellier, Bordeaux Racing 92, uh, the club budget, I mean, the money, uh, I know there's a friend of mine, and you know, you know John Gibbs quite well, uh, John Gibbs is an assistant coach in Claremont, and their budget is 32 million euro for the year. Mm. Now, the Leinster budget a couple of years ago was 12 million, mm. and they had the vast majority of Irish players, so you can see just, you, you know, I was never good at working out maths quickly in my head, but that's about two and a half times the budget, basically. So, Corky, that brings me to the crux of the matter. Are we set for a showdown in European rugby? I think we've all suspected that it's been coming for a long time. Or has the showdown or the battle already been won by stealth in terms of who's running the game? Is it the unions or is it the clubs? Well, we saw, we saw the, the battle lines drawn for European rugby and everybody trying to get a, a share of that uh, you know, in the last couple of years. That's going to take a while to bed down. You're in a situation there where they haven't attracted the significant number of sponsors that they thought they would, mm. and that for me is a, is a disappointment. There's also the TV deal is fragmented, so you're in a situation where TV coverage of, of European rugby is split between two rival television companies. If you want to watch all of the games, you have to have two subscriptions. So it's a bit rich of a TV company to stand up at a launch, uh, which they did a couple of weeks ago, and say the fans are the real winners here. And I go, well, sorry, mate, how? You're now asking me to pay twice for something. So how am I as a fan, the winner? You're actually taking money out of both of my pockets at the same time. And I don't like spending money, as you know, except if, unless I'm in Snapdragon with you. But anyway, that's, that's beside the point, right? <laughs> uh, but I, I, don't, I don't really see how the fans are the winners here. I mean, there, there's a bit more fighting to go on when this TV deal finishes off. But um, I guess the, the, the crux of the matter, what's going to have to happen is this whole uh, the rugby calendar has got to have to be sorted out, and my information is that that's going to be done kind of pretty quick, pretty once well, pretty quickly. But it's going to, I think, it, sort of the bones of an agreement are in place there already. I'm hearing, so I think we might have uh, some news on that that would sort of fit into place after 2019. Well, Corky, at least I can say that with Rugby Pass, you only pay one subscription, you can watch it all. So there you go. You're on the right podcast for your own sentiments here. Michael Corcoran, Irish rugby commentator, thanks for joining us on the pod this week, mate. And uh, I guess one final question, the million-dollar one. Ireland got a chance? Ireland are a step closer to beating the All Blacks. <laughs> you say that every year, you know that. I know, but, and, and we are, and we're getting closer. So don't, don't be surprised, it is going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen someday. It should have happened at the Aviva Stadium. It could have happened in Christchurch before that. So we're, we're getting closer. It's not the gap is getting narrower, but we're, we're getting better. So it's, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen pretty soon. I'm with you, mate. Thanks, Corky.